the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? You lucky team, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome to part two of Armchair Politics. Uh, this first edition of 2022 features our panel of political pundits, our roundtable regulars on the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Hi, Paul. Welcome back. Good to be here. And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter. Henry, welcome back to you as Thank well. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. And joining us uh, this week from East Village Magazine Consulting Editor Jan Worth Nelson. Jan, welcome back. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Tom. And kicking off the new year with us. Happy New Year, everybody, again. Um, Henry, when we went to break uh, at the end of the, the first half, um, you were wanting to comment. We had been talking about some of the uh, statistical anomalies about sure. gun violence in Flint and, and other places. Uh, I wanted to just refer to comments that was made uh, that some people die on the street uh, if they're gunshot wounded and some die in the hospitals. But no, hospitals are, are institutions created by both government and private interests and so on and so forth. And they're pledged to do no harm. My question is, um, if hospitals are working to capacity, and, and they have a process they call triaging, and they treat the most seriously first. But if they're working to capacity, how can we condemn the hospital for being a source of the death? That's my question. Is oh, I don't, I don't think that was... Um I, I don't think that was the intention but it was a good of the question comment. Because it's it, is a, it is a good it's question. It's a good question. Henry. And I, I think it's, um, I, I think the issue was um, whether or not um, these these victims of shootings, the ones that result in death, if they're they're not getting health care that they need because hospitals are backed up and not able to work at full capacity and shouldn't something be done about that um that's a community problem that is it is you're absolutely right but that should not be just just condemn the hospital for that because they're doing the best they can with the resources that they have the public my my comment was not intended to condemn the hospitals my comment was to say a good question Numbers of homicides de- could depend on what ha- where the where the death occurs. And yeah. if somebody gets shot and they die on the street, that's one thing. If they get shot and they die in the emergency room, um, it's a different kind of uh, final death, 
right? Yeah. Or yeah. if they if they get shot and they get into the emergency room and they don't die, uh, you know, what's the difference between those categories of shootings? And um, it's no it's no commentary on the the healthcare. It's a commentary just on the facts of the situation. That um, yes. Uh, okay, so I mean, the study that I remember, I was so struck by that when I first heard that study about Detroit years ago, and they were saying that, um, again, it's a reflection on the numbers. Like, people draw all these conclusions about what it means if you have a certain number of homicides. But, in fact, if you look at the number of shootings from and, and the number of life-threatening shootings, um, it can vary depending on where the victim ends up. So that's, that's all I was trying to say. It's just, it's, yeah. a, a, it's a factual... It's a factual thing. That you and can, I was trying to support you on that by people who carry guns and they shoot other people. Be there. There you yeah. risk. That's and my, my comment, Henry, was that the military is brought here in Flint because they were, they were learning from Flint doctors about how to deal with gunshot wounds uh, in preparation for battlefield conditions. So I think it was really almost a compliment to somebody made the assessment that the, they were doing a very good job on handling those kind of things. And, Jan, yeah. that was a very good question. In an ironic Thank kind of way. Because, yeah. uh, Jan, you really prompted some thought out of me. You <laughs> know, I, I, I remember reading about hospitals um, 100 years ago. It, depending on what your color was, <laughs> you lay, whether on the street or in the hospital, you died. Oh, yeah. Right. Because, yeah. yeah. But that's not necessary. Well, there are a lot of things that, that factor into all of this. There's, there's uh, police response time. There's the availability of uh, ambulatory services. There's, um, you know, room in the emergency room and resources to address serious injuries. Um, you know, all of those things contribute to the outcome of a shooting. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's complicated. It, but, I think you know well, we're not that great at dealing with complex issues. We, you know, I, we all boy, want... that was that was the perfect segue, <laughs> Jan, for this <laughs> next piece. Um, because I, I'll tell you, there are a couple of things that that Americans just do not understand. One of them is the uh, uh, electoral college, and the other is redistricting and it was a historic week in michigan politics mm. as the state set its new political boundaries for the next decade democrats gained a competitive edge in a state long dominated by republican drawn district lines but the maps could be upended by litigation arguing the slashing of black majority districts violates the voting rights act now here's the question has the Voting Rights Act and subsequent SCOTUS rulings with regard to majority black districts mandated a certain amount of gerrymandering in the redistricting process? Hmm. But the gerrymand the idea of gerrymandering was false, was uh, put together without thinking that all through. Now, in the beginning, when it's started forming uh, black districts, they made sure they got a dominant segment of the population that are black in the contained area, so they were uh, destined to win. No, but gerrymandering, but still unfair. gerrymandering by definition, Henry, is drawing lines 
to benefit a particular group or political party. Yeah, and that's what but, I, that's what I'm arguing. And if if the if the goal is to make these things just fair across the board, how are we determining fair and and isn't racial consideration a kind of gerrymandering? No, no time you're exactly right. unless unless it gives equal opportunity to yeah. Republicans and Democrats in that district. Yeah. I'm no, talking black be, Democrats and black but they didn't. They they instead favored the district so that Democrats yeah. could win. No, but but the principle you're talking about, Tom, it really gets to the heart of a lot of gerrymandering. There's those, there's two two concepts called packing and cracking, and if the idea is if you pack all the members of one party into a district, you allow the other yes. party to win the outlying districts. And to some degree, yeah. that's exactly the dilemma that Democrats face with regard to black majority districts. And again, cracking means you break up a group in so many ways that they can never win a majority either, and that. That, that is the dilemma that's this placed by the, the, the black majority district idea, and it, it does it, it, it's it's a it's a it, it is a dilemma. No, no, no way around it. Now, as I looked at the maps, there there still are black plurality districts in the Detroit area, so it's still a reasonable chance that African Americans can win there. But that does raise but, up some uh, kind of question. But the the question the is arguing that. Several years ago, they used to have 15 districts uh, available to them, and now that's boiled down to seven. You don't, you know, capable of winning elections in state houses and and senatorial districts. But now they're down to seven, and most of those are in Wayne County. But maybe this will allow some black Republicans to win. And, you know, I don't think every district should be Republicans. I, I would abhor that. I would like to see balance there, because that's what the world well, it's looks just, like. It's, it's, the question is, is there built into the system an acceptable form of gerrymandering? And, and if so, how won't that be used in legal arguments if somebody decides they want to have a congressional district with all people who drive hybrids? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. You, a lot of those guidelines, I mean, in addition to the racial categories, you're supposed to follow existing governmental lines if possible, you know, try and keep cities and counties together as much as reasonably possible. And, of course, the one thing here is the, in Michigan is this phrase, communities of interest. Is supposed to be a guideline. It's hard to say what that really means. Is it racial? Is it religious? Is it something else? I uh, it, again, it's it's a vague term and it's not quite clear in any cases that I've seen that defines it in a precise sort of way. But yeah, there are other kind of gerrymandering guidelines above and beyond the racial categories. And if I were to take what what Henry was saying about. Republicans and Democrats, that the lines should be drawn on, you know, based on party affiliation only. And of course, then you run into problems with third parties, alternative parties, uh, independents. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and is he saying they should be drawn along party lines and not racial or ethnic lines? Well, those are the two that we, those are the two prevailing ones, but they, it should be drawn so that any, uh, people of any color uh, on that ticket have an equal opportunity of winning. 
You know, the thing, but the thing about both. that, about redistricting, and I'm not sure how this is going to play out in the courts going forward, with at least with Michigan's uh, uh, lines, is that it should be, to some degree, a, a geographic grid. And then if some areas happen to be more Republican than others, fine. If some areas are, you know, primarily black, fine. If they're primarily Arabic, fine. Uh, you know, ju- the, the redistricting itself shouldn't be influenced by those things is what I'm thinking is, is the ideal situation. But, but our governance is based on a two-party system, and we can't, and we have to look at, and I don't always, I don't always think that we, Republicans get it right. I, I think that there are times when we have to draw from the other side to get things right. And I'm sure the Democrats don't get it all right either, so we have to learn to reconcile those differences and move on. Right. You know, one thing that occurs to me that is a weird thing to say, maybe, what if they get this all gerrymandered the way everybody thinks it should be, and then people change their mind? I mean, <laughs> That's right. What if yeah. in these communities of interest, the interest changes after they get it all like, okay, this is yeah. the way you have to have it. What if somebody changes their position over yeah. over time, you know? I mean, the idea that yeah. you're just going to make these boundaries and everything will be all hunky-dory... Uh, doesn't allow for even things like political persuasion over time. Or you know the like the one the one You're, thing about that 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 I just have to say was absolutely brilliant um, with uh, regard to the founding fathers was the notion that we revisited every ten years for that very reason. Yeah, yeah. But by Jan, you're exactly right. I mean, you may draw a map into for 2022 that's great for let's say Republicans. And yeah. by 2030 or 32, it's people have moved around, people have changed their views, other issues have come to the foreground, and all of a sudden, what would made a lot of sense for one party in 2022 may not make any sense at all by 2032. Right. I mean, we just all want things to be settled, and we, you know, yeah. like, but without acknowledging that it's always fluid, and and and. I mean, look what's happened to the Republican Party in the last five years, Henry. You know, there was a certain kind of Republican five years ago. Uh, so if you look at a Republican district, the people who felt that way, uh, it's changed. It's, you know, yes, that's it, because the, the, our whole population now is based on hate. I can't, I can't agree with you uh, by uh, the, the tenets of the time, now because you're Democrat. And you can't agree with me because you're Republicans, unless right. you're, uh, unless you're uh, the people on your side would turn to hate you. That's, that's, now, that's, that is not the way yeah. it ought to be in this country. We were better conceived or perceived than that. And uh, right. we've got to get well, back to a basis where we can all survive. We've got to take a break here, country. but we're going to come back in, uh, in just a, a couple of minutes. And we're going to take a look at... Uh, and, and try to speculate about what things we can hate each other about in 2022. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're going to take a short break. More armchair politics on the Tom Sumner program 
right after this. Don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll be right back. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hornets. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I'm willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Hello. Speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. 
Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Armchair Politics continues now on the Tom Sumner Program with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Jan Worth Nelson. And welcome back, everybody. Um, this hour, I want to, uh, or this segment, I want to try and uh, dedicate to looking forward to 2022. Um, there are some things that are going to be uh, challenges uh, for sure. Uh, COVID-19 has not gone away by a long shot. Uh, there are concerns about the uh, uh, Build Back Better Act and the social safety net and, and problems within the Democratic Party. The January 6th anniversary is tomorrow, the first anniversary of uh, the insurre- insurrection at the, uh, at the Capitol. Um, these are, are three things that CNN is uh, saying they're going to be keeping an eye on. But what are some of the things that you think will be important to track and follow as we move into 2022? Are, are you talking Roe about Wade? I'm sorry. Jane. Go ahead. I, I said Roe v. Wade. You still got to yeah, look that's at that to see how that comes out. Jan? Uh, were you talking about locally? Because I, I would want to throw out that um, the city, for instance, has an obligation to decide what it's going to do with ARPA funds. We're talking about <coughs> 90, ninety-four million, almost ninety-five million bucks. Uh, so locally, I would think that's an interesting thing to think about. Hey, and yeah, I think to, to kind of build on Jan's comment, I think uh, I saw a story saying that city going from a deficit to a surplus at the moment because of some of those those COVID funds. But next year, we may be looking at a serious deficit and some serious financial problems, particularly because of the requirement to contribute so much to the uh, the the, uh, the the legacy funds, the retirement funds in the city. So I think the we may have avoided a financial crisis this year, but I think a year or so down the line, we're looking at some serious financial issues. That, I mean, to me, that raises a larger issue, which can this city govern itself? Uh, the the Flint City Council continually suggests, even with these new people, the same patterns are already starting to emerge of what was happening before, and it's so depressing. Um, yeah. Can this, does the city have the leadership to govern itself, you know? Uh, and, and, I mean, the ARPA funds is just one example. It's like, who's, who's working on that? Who's trying to figure out how they want to use that money? And um, I, I, just, I, don't, I don't know that any concrete action is happening. Somebody was telling me that Sheldon Neely's proposal is three pages long of what to do with the money, and the city of Detroit has come up with this elaborate system of figuring it out that's 58 pages long and all this detail and, you know, uh, and up here... There's just a sort of almost casual uh, approach to to uh, what to do with ninety five million bucks. I'd, anyway, that that would be my. Well, I, I you know the the city I live in appears to be governed rather poorly, and I don't like it. <laughs> I mean, this, <laughs> you know, no, this is where um, Ted and I are, are going to spend our old age. This is it. 
and and um, and we're well off, you know. But I think about all the people that are not well off that really need to be assured that they have decent city services being provided to them um, without all this nonsense and malarkey. To quote Joe Biden, well, at the uh, risk I, at the risk of squeezing in a shameless plug. I'm going to be talking about just those very things with John Daly from the city of Flint this Friday oh. at 9 o'clock. Okay. And I suspect he's going to have uh, some knowledge about what kinds of infrastructure things we might see um, with uh, the use of that money. And Anyway, we're going to be talking about some of those things with somebody from the city of Flint, John Daly, this Friday during the first hour of the show. So, if, mm. if and it doesn't matter how we spend that that money, some people are going to be forever unhappy. And so, what you got to do is to make sure that the money goes to at least fifty percent that benefits fifty or more percent of the people to whom it's designated for. Yeah, and I mean, there needs to, to be a process of deciding that takes yeah. those that type of criterion into a, into account, right? I mean. Yeah, public hearing is very close to it. It just starts the process. Let everybody have the say so. And <laughs> out of that should become some kind of a comprehensive um, direction to how that money ought to be spent. Just as long as everybody gets a chance to say, yeah, I do this and that and so on and so forth. And then evaluate it and come up with a program. Right, there so needs no to be. No matter what you do, you're, yeah. you're not going to prove please everybody, by race, by gender, by color, by age. It no, doesn't no. matter. Uh, there, there needs to be some leadership that's serious about figuring out what are, what's the city's needs and what, are the, you know, and what fits the requirements of the program. Like you can't, my understanding is that there's, you know, some fairly clear criteria about how you can use the money. So uh, anyway, I, it, it does not feel like, the process it's being engaged in is being directed with good leadership is, is just my feeling. And, and, and not to mention the energy, to, you know, and maybe that's one of our issues right now. Like everybody's just so exhausted uh, and overwhelmed that um, our ability to react with energy to almost anything is compromised. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I would suggest maybe the real leadership in this town isn't in City Hall and maybe the groups like the Mott Foundation and a few other private sure. groups. They're offering as much leadership yes. in an organized way as the uh, as the government, does. whether city or even to some degree, maybe even the county. But the city's the first example. But the problem with that, and that's been true for decades, yes. that you know the Mott Foundation has done an awful lot to address social concerns and issues in Flint with money, which yep. which yep. is nice. And it's needed, but it hasn't done anything to contribute to any kind of leadership with regard to how the city governs itself and how people behave toward one another. And those things continue to go awry, and you can't just write another check for that. You need somebody that that stands up and, and says, no, this is how we need to behave. This is how we need to govern ourselves. I, I feel bad because yesterday I was talking to somebody who's very interested in um, 
politics and public relations and so on, and he had made a comment to me. He was a guest on the show. He was talking about a book he just came out with that looked at throughout history and across the globe and picked out uh, 25 people who did big things in their 20s, uh, 20-somethings that got it together. was kind of yeah. the, the, huh. the book's called Nailing It. Anyway, he was talking about how Flint makes it into the news a lot. And I, I feel bad. I invited him to watch city council meetings on YouTube. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, because he had raised a question about governance and so on, and I said, no, you, got, you have to see it for yourself. <laughs> That's <laughs> and, true. And I, and I feel bad doing <laughs> that. It's almost like I'm saying, hey, you know, if you want a good laugh, watch our city council meeting. Yeah. And 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 I, I feel a little bad about that today, but uh, you know, true. speaking of yeah, speaking of speaking of uh, the city of Flint that benefits people who live in the city. City of Flint has all of our institutions, our major institutions. Money comes into Flint as a center of civic life, political life, and and learning, and so on and so forth. So they have a tremendous amount of influence that affect people who live in the county. We were whipped around the same way uh, that people in the city, uh, if they, you have poor leadership, are whipped around. You know, we don't, we don't exist in, 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 in a vacuum. So they need to get it together. Another thing uh, I, I wanted to say uh, with respect to issues that you should look at this year uh, from the round table here, we should look at whether we're going to fund education or whether we're going to defund it. Because for years, we have been defunding education for a long time. And we ratchet over and back between K through 12 systems and college. Uh, they borrow for one to shore up the other one. And then the next cycle, they'll borrow from the other to shore up. We need to find other ways to make sure that we're educating people who can learn to live together in this country and also uh, to govern it. So we should be talking about that. It, it, it impacts us every day. It does. So I hope that you have to be talking about that, Tom, yeah. as well. Oh, I, I definitely think we will. Um, it, it's kind of interesting, you know, we've been so caught up in some of the, the big stories of 2021 there are some things that happened through the year that maybe we're not really thinking about that much. Minimum wage increases in 20 states during 2021. Uh. Um, oh, you know, I was struck. I thought, what did Michigan go up, 20 cents or something? Something, something like that. Um, basically, and, and I, I was struck by the fact that I mean, what I was, is it, I think, on is it nine seventy? I've forgotten the exact amount. The, the story I, mean, I have by shows every Taco Bell and McDonald's got signs out in front say, you know, work for us for twelve dollars or fifteen dollars an hour. Well, that's the the interesting question about all this, Paul. Is uh, now the the story I'm pulling from shows uh, New York. Uh, California, Delaware, Illinois, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, and Rhode Island um, are all part of scheduled raises to reach $15 per hour minimums. And I, I guess the question is, is wage legislation keeping up with American voters' wage demands and or free market concessions? Huh. 
<laughs> Not this year, I, I don't think at, so. Look at the loaf of bread. It's gone up. That It took that 20 cents and raised the loaf of bread. And, and, and I'm just, so, I'm, I'm bothered, Henry, by the fact that we have, um, you know, all of these legislators, you know, in various uh, houses around the country, and they're finally getting around to addressing, uh, addressing minimum wage, and they spent all this time in debates and hearings and, you know, conferences and all of this stuff, and they finally come out with laws that are already behind the times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it seems like the market is a more effective driver right now, probably. You know, with uh, with so many people just, when, when it's uh, a worker's market, uh, I don't think the legislation is keeping up with it, but I think the market might. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's um, another, an, on another completely unrelated subject, um, but there was fierce national and local debate over what kids learn in schools during 2021, oh boy, largely yeah. about critical race theory. Right. But yeah. Illinois boy. lawmakers oh. moved to prioritize Asian American history by passing legislation requiring it in public schools. Uh, on Saturday, the state's Teaching Equitable Asian American History Act went into effect, making Illinois the first state to have such a requirement. How much impact will that law have on this this larger debate about critical race theory? Oh, man. I mean, good. Do you see I the guess. theme I'm getting at here? There were a bunch yeah. of laws passed in 2021 that are going to have little, if any, impact. Yeah, but my question is, how, where, where are you going to squeeze this into a typical high school curriculum or whatever curriculum we're talking about? I mean, with all the other stuff that's already required, uh, I mean, maybe it's a nice to, to study Asian American history, but where do you squeeze it in and what, and what gets cut out when you do that? And I'm concerned about the impact that it has, that it has on white children uh, who have never felt second best to anybody. And you throw this stuff out there in the faces. What kind of, what kind of person do you generate? One well, like Henry, I don't, I don't know about kids today, but I know in, in my day, I never really felt that insecure. Well, you shouldn't be. Yeah. I, I don't think it, 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 it doesn't bother me to consider that there are other kinds of people in the world and there are interesting there are things to know about. That, do, that do. And this is, what, this is why parents are driving this stuff. And uh, You want to be careful. Yeah, you should probably have some of it. And besides, Chinese, uh, the, the Asians, uh, do contribute... Um, they're high-performing people who consider education and invention and all of that very high behind the Caucasians. And, uh, and they help to drive our academic institutions with their thoughts and with their capacity, acuity. So um, I don't have a problem with that, but it's how you feed it to the kids. You don't want to devastate kids. 
uh, like what was done to black children in the 16th, 17th, and 18th century, or in the 19th century, or even today. Uh, not so much today. But uh, we have to be careful that we don't transform <laughs> the country into uh, something that we will regret. Here's, you know, here's, I, I mean, go ahead, I feel like we can't like break all these things up into little tiny bits. It's like a fruit cake. It's like a fruit cake that's got more and more and more little bits of candied fruit in it. And um, to me, as a uh, in my life as a teacher and a, and a community journalist, my goal has always been that people. It's sort of like how we started the show, Tom, thinking about teaching people how to be critical thinkers teaching yes. people how mm-hmm. to be to the truth, teaching people how elusive and complicated the quote-unquote truth is. I mean, all of those issues are what I expect education to be about. And I don't know that you can atomize it and make everybody satisfied. It's almost like the gerrymandering issue. You know, It's like how specific can you get and then call it a day when their overall issues like what does it mean to be a human being? Uh, well, here's, it- here's, another, here's another example. Something that's been talked about a lot is the environment. And yeah. now here's what happened in 2021. As policymakers have discussed humans' impact on the environment, some mundane things were caught in the crosshairs. For residents of Washington, D.C., it's gas-powered leaf blowers. A regulation passed in 2018 outlaws the use of the tools by residents and landscapers and carries fines of up to $500. The (laughs) delay in the rules implementation allowed the city and others affected... uh, Where's the page here? Affected time to switch to more eco-friendly electric leaf blowers or some other alternative, according to the Washington Post, (laughs) which said the gas-powered blowers can be (laughs) as loud as heavy traffic and cause health problems for people who breathe their fumes. How big an impact do gas-powered leaf blowers have on the global (laughs) environment? I personally hate those, so I'm like, yeah, that's great. I hate... I'm the same way, but is is that our big swath at, yeah, at fixing that's, the environment? And that's what we call progress, right? The fact that I the fact that I recycle my water bottles does that make me, uh, you know, a warrior in the climate change thing? Again, it comes back to um, this: the we think about these things in atomized at an atomized level. It's like, okay, that's a good idea, probably. Uh, but there's probably a hundred other good ideas that need to be implemented simultaneously. And just and not, thinking that, not, you know, one yep. and done, that we're good now, uh, it's just, it's not, it's not good thinking. And it's not yeah, this, this is where you get material for those books on, you know, goofy laws that, that were somehow passed. You know, it's illegal to carry a goldfish on a bus in Montana right. or something like that. Because somebody yeah. has a problem, and then they go to their local city council and say, do something about it, and they do something, and it becomes one of these kind of silly laws that uh, means almost nothing in practice. Um, and, and, you know, the gas blowers, whether they're gas, electric, or just if you go out and just puff it around, you are disturbing fugitive dust in the environment, and you're raising up to atomize something. Use your words here, uh, uh, my friend here, about atomizing stuff. You're putting it into the air, 
and you're devastating the lung capacity of people who have asthma and other kind of illness. And, and that's one of the components of wh and whether a city is achieving its atmospheric uh, level discharge limitations of all of the critical uh, pollutants in the environment. Fugitive dust is one. Fugitive dust and particles coming from the emission of gasoline from blowers. But it's getting there in the air anyway. So we're, we, uh, you're only solving part of the problem. But I mean, you know, if we all work to get, uh, this is going to sound like Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm here, but <laughs> it seems we all work together on a lot of different things with a, with a shared commitment to save the planet. And we know that there are a hundred different things that we could all do that would make a difference. Um, that's how you begin to get some results. Not with one thing here and one thing there to make yeah. somebody good in the short run. And I, that's what I just feel like, you know, I, the, I, a thought just occurred to me that my mo one of my mother's earliest memories, she was born in 1910, believe it or not, um, she, one of her earliest memories was how women would get together to roll uh, Band-Aids for soldiers in World War, that would have been World War One, like, uh, like in uh, 1910. 1718 in there. Uh, she remembers community efforts for women to bring in material that they would donate, and then they would all roll it to make you know to send it off to the war. Well, now we don't we don't do that anymore. That's not how we do bandages anymore. But the, the idea that there was a joint effort for everybody to do this thing to help with the war effort uh, for some reason that memory always stuck with me because. Clearly, it stuck with her. <laughs> you know, when she was a little mm. girl, she remembered that kind of collective action that uh, that struck her. Well, so, and uh, we we've seen some things like that, but not not the way we did in World War One and World War Two. You know, think of the uh, tire drives and and uh, yeah. paper drives and and some of the things that were done. And just just living living with rationing. Right, and the little World gardens, what they call them? The gardens. Victory gardens. Victory gardens. The victory gardens, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, where, is, where is that happening now? Uh, I uh, mean, we can, you know, we... Enterprise. Go, Go ahead. ahead. It's an enterprise for Tom. I'm just adjusting it, Tom. Because remember the tire drive, he said. But, Tom, if you want to go into the business, you can find all kinds of tires in the river, along the bank, <laughs> in your backyard. That's true. You couldn't people in those days, Henry. Where are you? The people, Tom, where are you? As a, well, actually, as an entrepreneur. Actually, Henry, <laughs> that, that you make a point there. That one collective thing we do is every now and then we have these cleanups of, of rivers and creeks and so forth. And, uh, Community groups do go out there and pick up trash and tires, yeah. among other things. So that, that that occurs to me as you were saying that. That may be one modern example of that collective action we've done in, in other areas in years past. Well, on I'm that sorry. note, we're going to have to, um, speaking of tires, we're going to have to roll into a break here. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but in, oh, you're in, clever. Well, I, I try. Once in a while I get lucky. But uh, we're going to take a short break, let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. And we'll be back with the final segment of today's edition of Armchair Politics. Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Wisecarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan. Quiplet Technology. My Community College. It's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon, they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work, and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger, and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is... This is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Ellen Sherman, Cleveland housewife and mother. Hi, I'm a nuclear physicist and commissioner of consumer affairs. In my spare time, I do needlepoint, read, sculpt, take writing lessons, and brush up on my knowledge of current events. 
Thursday's my day at the daycare center, and then there's my work with the dip. But I still have time left over to do all my own baking and practice my backhand, even though I'm on call 24 hours a day as a legal aid. How does Ellen Sherman do it all? She's smart. She takes speed, the tiny blue diet pill you don't have to be overweight to need. And then I collect these paper bags, and I have them right here, all folded and everything. In case anyone needs a paper bag, I have them. Yes, speed. Because I fold them neatly, you know. I don't fold them just any old way. Why not ask your family doctor for a prescription today? And when that runs out, you can ask your neighbor's doctor and your mother's doctor and your college roommate's doctor and your best friend from high school's doctor. Oh, I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is uh, normally the time each week when we do the uh, the X Files, but uh, we're going to do something a little different on this uh, first day of uh, 2022, or at least the the first armchair politics um, airing uh, of 2022. Um, I do have something that's kind of an X-File, and we'll get into that in uh, in just a uh, minute or so. But welcome back to uh, Jan. We lost her during the, the commercial break, but I think she's back with us. Yes, I am. And uh, Henry, are you still with us? Yes, I'm here. And Paul? Yep, um, I'm here. I started a couple of new things um, this year, and one of them was actually caused by my sister. She... Uh, you know, she she gets me these fun calendar things, little stocking stuffer deals that you know with a different fun saying or um, quote of the you know of the day or something, and it's it's a calendar where you pull off a different page every day. And um, when I first looked at it, I w- was a little concerned that she had collected this one from things that I had said. It's uh, the 365 stupidest things ever said. (laughs) And I thought, you know, maybe just to cover myself, because I say so many stupid things, it might be nice to share some of these from time to time, just so I'm not the only one who is saying stupid things. Oh, that's very humble of you. Yeah. Um, and here's one on phobia cures that probably didn't work too well from the Telegraph Syndicate in the UK. The headline read, Tourist bitten by monkeys on trip to cure primate phobia. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's, that's the one for today. Um, and, and I had, there was, there was one, um, I, I did some, some of these yesterday from, the first of the year on um, and got kind of caught up with it because I'm going to try and squeeze one of these in every day and normally I'll do it at the top of the show but I um, I I saved it for now because it it kind of makes a, a nice lead into the piece that I've got I, I started to put it in the X-Files and it became kind of a 
an open discussion like several of the things we've talked about today have. Along with whatever else you're leaving behind in the old year, Michigan University is suggesting we all ditch these 10 particularly overused phrases. Oh, yeah. The judging committee of Lake Superior State University's cheeky annual banished words list has chosen 10 top offenders from among more than 1,250 submissions of overused, misused, and generally groan-inducing words or phrases, according to the uh, Associated Press. Here here are some of the banished words and terms in, and, you know, I'm, I'm... really troubled by this list this year and I've done things on this list in the past but it seems like the older I get when the list comes out they're phrases that I just started using um, <laughs> I know the feeling yeah <laughs> um, one of my favorites and I had so much fun with this over the holidays with uh, one of the grandkids was the phrase wait what yeah <laughs> and and every time I said wait what <laughs> Emma would just giggle and laugh at, like it was the funniest thing uh, that she'd ever heard. And and so now I'm seeing, now, now I can't do this, this line anymore because uh, Lake Superior State University said it's overused. Uh, oh, dear. No worries. <laughs> made the list. Yeah. Mm. And here, they used to call these cliches. I think. Yeah, that that, that no exactly, worry goes back a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah right. that's exactly right. And and I thought of it. Um, no worries. The first time I heard somebody use that phrase was um, somebody from Australia. Right. It sounds like a little bit. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, it sounds yeah. like an oxymoron. Uh, about the same time that I that I picked up the phrase "good on you." Good. Good. <laughs> Which was another, which was another phrase from down under, as as I learned it. Um, but here's here's number three. At the end of the day. Yeah. Oh, that's that. Yeah, that's a common one. I, that goes back a long day. way. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. does it seem like one we've got to lose? I, I mean, some. You day. know, I I understand. You know, when they just become you know so overused and so obnoxious but i um but there's some i, I noticed that the first one you had had a sense of mental acuity sharp and that dealt with the primate uh you could become more primate like and some people do look and act uh like primates without <laughs> the um soul Beauty, well, see, logic, I, and intelligence. See, I like the phrase, wait, what? Because yeah. it it just describes how we don't listen anymore. Yeah. Right. You know, right. It's, it's, it's like yeah. somebody all of a sudden, wait, what? It's, it's like they heard it, but a minute later. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it hits you. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that seems appropriate in some situations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, you get mesmerized by what you're hearing, and then all of a sudden, yes. the smarter part of you wakes up. You know, it's, it's yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's some it. little fact in the middle, you know, that just it didn't that that you want to make sure you understood. Um, but that being said, is number four. 
had been. Oh. Oh, yeah, that's kind of a cliche, I suppose. Wow. English teachers would have a fit over using stuff like that. That being said, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These do ring a bell, some bells, don't they? they yeah, they do, do for me. Now, here's yeah, we're up. having trouble, I think, these days talking to each other about difficult matters, and we don't want to hurt each other's feelings, and there's so yeah. much hate and division and everything, so like saying no worries is like an automatic comfort to the other person. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. don't worry about <laughs> Gonna be okay. It really makes them worry more. <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, wait, what? <laughs> well, that yeah. being said, the next one, number five. Oh, they're like shorthands for tired people. Right. And this is this is one of my favorites of all time, and and I I hate to see it go. Asking go for a friend. Oh, I, I, oh I like, yeah, yeah. I like it. I like that, that too. Well, it's just mis- misogynistic. Yeah. 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 I mean, I like those. Hey, just because Lake Superior State says so doesn't mean we have to. That's true, yeah. 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 Well, and, you know, there are a lot of things that my friend really wants to know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> number six is one that actually does bother me Circle back. Circle back. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, I have some trouble of visualizing what, That means go back to a previous topic, or what does that mean? I mean, take, I a, have a, take a college course over political no, science. No, cir- yeah, circle, circle back. Circle back is, is um, you know, um, well, you know who says it um, is uh, the press secretary, Saki. Oh, oh, and and she'll she'll get a question that she's not prepared to answer, and she said, "I'll circle back on that with you later." Oh, okay. oh. Oh, oh, well, and and that, okay. that, that gives her a plausible response, uh, deep, intelligent response. Deep dive made the list. Oh, deep dive, yeah. Uh, new yeah. normal, deep dive, made the list. Yeah, and what's it? What? Uh, new normal. Oh, well, that, <laughs> that, that, yeah, that was almost a wait, what, yeah. <laughs> That was almost a wait, what? <laughs> that makes no sense at all. The last, the, the new normal. The last three normals are, are always of, changing. Are kind of COVID-inspired. Um, right, a lot of these feel that way, don't they? New yeah. normal is one. You're on mute is another. <laughs> oh, that you hear a lot these days, yeah. And yeah. It's amazing how often that happens on the national media. You know, some big people that you would, they're, they're interviewing, the person's on mute, they have to yeah. rewind. And supply chain <laughs> was number two. Oh, of course, of course, yeah. It's not anyway, a cliche, yeah. that's a description, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an actual functioning thing in the world. But we've got to uh, we've got to end it there. But thank you so much for being part of uh, this first armchair politics uh, roundtable gathering of the year. Happy New Year! Happy New Year to all of you. Henry Hatter you. and uh, Paul Rosicki, our roundtable regulars, joined this week by uh, Jan Worth Nelson from East Village Magazine. Thank you so much. And that's Smoking George Winters tickling the ivories. And that means uh, I'm headed down the hall to the living room, but I'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. In the meantime, good night, everybody.
program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.